You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. Good morning. Please remain standing as I read from Scripture. Today I'm going to be reading from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you for another opportunity to come together and worship you and learn about you. We pray right now that you will just take all of our to-do lists and all of our worries for the week. Let us put them aside, help us put them aside, and just focus on you and the word that we're about to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. How's everybody doing this morning? Recovered yet from Thanksgiving? Who's, uh, who's still wearing stretchy pants? <laughs> still wearing stretchy pants. Takes a while, you know, to get back to your normal pants. Um, <laughs> well, I hope you came well rested for this morning. I have so much to share. Exciting stuff. Uh, as Michael mentioned earlier, this is our Vision Sunday, and so we are going to be covering a lot of ground, looking at um, who we are as a church, what is our DNA, um, and we're going to be also looking forward to where we're headed and what, we're, what we believe that God is leading us into in the days to come. Uh, before we start moving into the future, we're going to do a little looking back uh, a little reflecting back in the past. Um, hopefully you got a little sheet of paper when you came in. If, if you want, um, you can fill out those notes. You can, you can use that to take notes. Um, if you didn't get one, it looks like Tim is ready to pass them out to you. Um, and that's just because we are covering a lot today. So if you would like to um, jot some things down, then that would be good. Um, we are going to be anchored in this passage that we just heard in Matthew 28, which is called the Great Commission. It is our marching orders. It's what Jesus told the disciples to do before he ascended into heaven. Um, and so that's where we're going to come and, and dig into in the scriptures, plus we're going to look at a lot of other verses. Uh, before we jump in any further, though, pray with me one more time, and um, let's ask the Lord to really speak to us. Father, I love that you are the God of possibilities. Jesus put it this way, that with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And that that means that you can do anything you want, and that at any moment, in, on any given day, including this one, we can encounter you and you can change our lives. And your word is alive and active and powerful. And God, your word 
has the potential to turn our lives upside down. And your spirit is in us if we are believers. And you have the ability to reach down inside of us and rearrange. Rearrange our priorities and set our priorities straight and get our affections stirred for you and to point us in the direction that we need to be going with our lives. You can take jacked up, messed up lives and set them straight. You can take sleeping Christians who are living for comfort and living for themselves and pursuing all the wrong things and perpetually unsatisfied. And you can set us straight. So Holy Spirit, would you do that today through my feeble mouth, my stuttering tongue? Would you just take over, Holy Spirit, and use me to say what you want to say to your people? Awaken us, stir us, set us on fire for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, New King Church is, pretty, uh, is a pretty young church. We started back in 2017, and um, we, we started out just as a small core group that came out of a church plant called Burlington City Church, and we began to meet weekly and to talk about what it would look like um, to be this church called New King. I think we have a picture of that. Do we have that, those slides? Yeah, so this is... Us, in the, um, in the early days, um, there was like 12 adults and, and a handful of uh, kids meeting in an upstairs corner classroom in St. Joseph's in um, the Old North End of Burlington. And we just started talking about what would it look like to be a people of the king and, and who would invite people to serve a new king and not themselves and and so we started casting vision in those days and started to try and invite our friends and neighbors to come and join us on this mission. And then um, February, in February of 2018, we had our grand opening in Mater Christi. And that was an exciting um, Sunday where we came together and we, we finally had like some space and our kids had some space. And the Lord really blessed that time as, um, as we were in a a new location that had a little bit better visibility and people could access us easier. And um, we started, you know, to see some real growth and progress in that, in that location. And we were there for a handful of months and then we were told we had to get out. And so we were going to have to find a new spot to meet. And so we started looking into what it, what it would look like to lease somewhere else. And it was ridiculously expensive. And so we said, we need a miracle. And, um, we said, well, if we need a miracle, why don't we pray for the miracle we really want? Instead of just praying, God, would you provide a place we can lease that we can afford, let's ask him to give us a building. And so we started asking God to give us a building, and to our surprise, he gave us three. We have now owned this building, the building here on the property. This is what it looked like before we came in and renovated. Um, the red barn house, and then the white house in front of that. We own those three. They were given to us. They were given to us in miraculous um, answer to prayer. 
And so we came in, we renovated the space. Um, let's look at what it used to look like in here. This is what it looked like in here. We took out, uh, some people, you know, wish that we had kept the carpet, but we, <laughs> we decided to change it out. Um, check out that pulpit. I mean, that thing is authoritative. I love it. Um, I'm, you know, actually, I, I kid, but that pulpit has probably a fantastic history, and the gospel was preached from this church for a lot of years. Praise God! Um, we came in and we so we we updated the space, and um, we had our grand opening here December this exact time last year, 2018. Um, so that was, our, that was our grand opening. Um, we're, don't worry, we're going to have Christmas trees next Sunday. Uh, some of y'all are like, What's, where's our Christmas trees? We're going to have them, don't worry. Um, so we had our grand opening this time last year, and, um, and we just praise God. He has just really blessed our church. Uh, he is doing a lot of work in a lot of individuals' lives. He's building community. He's rescuing people who did not know him, who are now following him and are growing in him. And, um, and so people who once did not worship the one true God are now worshiping the one true God. And we've got a building, we've got property. And, you know, the question is, do we just get comfortable here? Do we just say, good, cool, okay, we've got, we've got our building, we, we got, we've got members, let's get, let's settle in, let's draw the, let's raise the drawbridge. Is that what we should do? And the answer to that question is an emphatic no, absolutely not. That God is only just getting started with us. And he has a desire to do so much more. Um, why? Why not just settle in and get comfortable? Why not just get established and get comfortable? Um, Barna Research recently unpacked faith trends in the U.S. They were looking at a reluctance to engage in spiritual conversations, an aversion to evangelism, the erosion of religious belief and practice, and they found Burlington to be the fourth most post-Christian city in America. Um, Burlington, Vermont, our community, is the fourth most post-Christian city in America. And you can look up the research on this, but somewhere between um, 3% and 1% of our community here attends an evangelical church. That's it. Um, now, that is a problem. That, that is a big problem. That means that the vast majority of our friends, of, of our coworkers, of our neighbors out there don't know the love of God for them in Jesus. And so that's one of the problems. But the other problem is that so many who profess the name of Christ could care less. That's the other problem. 
And it's a big one. And that's, that's really why we're doing this Vision Sunday this morning. Because whether you would say, you know, I care about this much or I care a lot, I think we could all agree that we should care more. Right? I think all of us need a little, a little punch in the gut. A little reminder that the people around us need Jesus. I think all of us would argue that we could be a little more passionate about his kingdom coming and spreading, his gospel going from here to the ends of the earth. Couldn't we use a little bit more passion? And so if we aren't burning with passion to see more people find and follow Jesus, then just right now in the quiet of your own heart, why don't you pray that prayer? That's something I've been asking God. God, fill me with more passion for your kingdom and your glory. Because passion is the fuel of our lives. And what I mean by that is whatever you are passionate about, that is the thing you will spend yourself pursuing. And to be really honest, if we're really honest with ourselves as Americans, uh, most of us are really passionate about being comfortable. That's what we're really passionate about. Secure, comfortable, moderately entertained. And we, we pour ourselves out to that end. We pursue more and more success, more and more money, so that to the end that we can be more and more comfortable and feel more secure. And that's what we're really passionate about. And listen, I am, I am just as guilty as the next person. But here's what I'm learning, is that if you ask God to give you his passion for his kingdom and his glory, that is a prayer he loves to answer. That is a prayer our God loves to answer. What is the heart of Jesus? Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what made him tick. That's what was on his heart day in and day out. He woke up thinking about seeking and saving the lost. He went to bed at night thinking about seeking and saving the lost. And when we lose sight of this, when we lose our passion for this, then we have lost sight of what it really is that God has done for us. Ephesians 2 reminds us, the beginning of Ephesians 2 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That we were dead before Christ came into our lives. Dead, like, like zombies walking around on the earth. Dead to real joy. Dead to the only one who could satisfy our souls. Dead to all that really matters in this life. That was us. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. There's an enemy out there. The Bible says that has blinded the, blinded the eyes, blinded the minds of unbelievers. 
I mean, this is urgent. There is a real enemy out there leading our world, blinding their minds. And this was us. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Do you realize you've been made alive? You've been made alive with Christ. Listen to Colossians 1, 13 through 14, if that doesn't grab your attention. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He made us alive. We were a part of the domain of darkness, following the prince of the power of the air, doing whatever his will was under the pull of sin. And he made us alive to God. And he transferred us out of slavery to the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what's been done for us. And it's when we lose sight of this that we have no passion at all to help others to come to know him. We were the walking dead. But the king of heaven came to earth, established his kingdom here in the hearts of men and women. And then he said, go. When we read that passage that we're going to look at in depth in just a second, go and make disciples, we should also see go and set captives free. Go and make the dead alive. Go and... Remove people out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. What a mandate. What a privilege. What an honor. What an exciting life. Oh, we have become people of a new king through the power of his death and resurrection. This is the passion that burns within the heart of God that Burlington and South Burlington and Colchester and Winooski and Williston and all of these towns around us and all of the towns of Vermont and all of the least reached corners of our globe would know that they can be free, that they can come out of the domain of darkness They don't have to serve the prince of the power of the air anymore. They don't have to serve themselves anymore. They can serve King Jesus. They can be free from the tyranny of sin. They can start to live for what really matters, what they were made to live for, the glory of God. This is what's burning in the heart of God. And until it's burning in our hearts, we are living out of sync with God. God. We need his passion. This is his passion. So let's read this passage again. Let's focus in on 18 through 20. Matthew 28. And I want to show you where we get our mission statement. So 
Here at New King, we say that we exist to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. And I want to show you where that comes from. It comes right from right here in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is where we get our mission statement. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to break it down so that you can see exactly where it comes from. But this is where Jesus is handing the baton of his ministry to the disciples that he's been pouring into, and then he ascends into heaven. So he's giving them and all disciples who come after them, that includes us, their marching orders. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means that Jesus is the king of the universe. It means he is the king of heaven and earth. It means he rules supreme over every single person and every single animal and every mountain range and every ocean. Jesus Christ has authority over every wind that blows and every snowflake that falls. He rules supreme. It means that we are not trespassers on somebody else's property. This is not our enemy's domain. And it means we don't have to tiptoe around as if we were, as if we didn't really belong here. Do you see that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. That means who owns Burlington? Jesus and South Burlington and Colchester and Vermont. Jesus owns it all. And that means that we are never trespassers on somebody else's property. It's all his. And our enemy is the one who is trespassing. And you know, what that does is it changes the way that you walk around. It changes the way that you stand up for what's true. Because you say, this is my father's field. And I've been given a mandate to come here and collect fruit. We have permission from the one who has all authority. He says, go make disciples. He's, he is saying, go and rescue captives. Go help the lost find me and follow me. When a person hears the good news about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, and they believe that good news and turn from their sin in faith to follow Jesus, they become a disciple. That is what a disciple is. And so when we talk about helping as many people as possible find him, this is what we're talking about. We know that the reality is that it's actually Jesus who finds us, but in, in, John, in the beginning of 
the Gospel of John, the disciples, when they meet Jesus, they go to their friends and they say, come and see the one. We, we have found the one, the Messiah. Come and see him. So we, we do that. We say, come and see the one that, that is the Savior. We want to help people to know who Jesus is. He says, make disciples of all nations. This is, unless you are of Jewish ethnicity, this is us. We are the nations. The gospel didn't start here. Right? The gospel has gone out. We are the far reaches of the earth. (laughs) And it is still expanding. The gospel continues to go from found place to unfound place. From lost, so that people can go from lost to found. So the gospel is going from here to other parts of the world. All nations, that means the Lord desires that all would worship him. That means that we don't stop here. That, that's why we say that we want to help as many people as possible. So that's, that's more than just our community. That's more than just our state. We want to help people wherever God sends us, wherever God leads, to find Jesus and to follow him. He says, baptizing them. This is the way a person who says yes to the good news about Jesus makes that public. Baptism... Um, as you read through the book of Acts, it's how they would say yes to Jesus. I was just recently reading the story of Philip evangelizing, sharing the good news with the Ethiopian eunuch. And it just says that he's telling, them the good, he's telling him the good news, and the, the Ethiopian sees water, and he says, here's water, what's stopping me from being baptized? So apparently, in Philip's explanation of the good news, he said, and the way that you say yes to this is through baptism or something to that effect, because when the Ethiopian saw the water, he's like, let's go do this. Baptism is how we respond publicly to Jesus. So if you are a believer in Jesus and you haven't yet done this after having believed in Jesus, then we want to baptize you. We do baptisms in here pretty regularly. We have another one coming up in a few weeks. And we, we, we dunk you in water. And it's a huge celebration. It's a picture in the physical of what's happened to us in the spiritual. It's a picture of our death to our old self as we go under the water and are being raised to new life in Christ. And Jesus commanded it of all disciples to be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized yet, Come talk to me. Come talk to one of us. Write us an email. Let us know that you're interested. Um, So far, we've baptized 23 people here at New King. And I want to see hundreds of people baptized. He says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, he does not say, teaching them to consider all that I have suggested to you. Right? He does not say that. Jesus 
does not give suggestions. Kings do not give suggestions. Kings give commands to be observed. And so he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. We aren't, we aren't big on that, that kind of talk. Commands, really? You're going to command? Yeah, if you're Jesus, you are. Yeah. If you're Jesus, you're going to command. And so to follow Jesus is to observe what he has commanded. And this is what we're talking about when we say we want to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. So once we've discovered him, we begin to follow him, and our lives are a mess, right? A mess. We, we come into it with all kinds of habits and hang-ups, and we are like, okay, I'm going to try, how do I do this? And it is a process, a lifelong process of learning to observe all that he commanded in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is where our mission statement comes from. Now, our values are what keeps us true to our mission. I want to give a little visual here to our values. Our first value is Jesus. And what we mean by this is that our first priority is a friendship with Jesus. We want to, we want to pursue intimacy with him because it's actually possible to do a lot of work for Jesus and to miss friendship with him. There's a story in Luke 10 where these two sisters, Mary and Martha, are hosting Jesus. And Martha, it says, is busy serving Jesus, but spends no time sitting at his feet. In Luke 10, 41 through 42, Jesus rebukes Martha, because Martha is upset with her sister who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to him teach. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will, be, will not be taken away from her. Jesus says, look, she did the one thing necessary. And it is possible to work your tail off for Jesus and forget this, just to sit at his feet and enjoy him. And so we made this our first priority, pursuing friendship with him. What this looks like is actually spending time daily alone in the word and in prayer. This is what we hope to see in every person here at New King, is a passionate pursuit of friendship with Jesus. Our second value is hospitality. We actually draw this with arrows going both ways because this includes hospitality here as people come in on Sundays. We want to be welcoming, warm, helpful 
people. We want to create a place where someone who's seeking God can come and feel like they, they are welcome here and that they are not being ostracized, that they can come in and hear the message of the gospel over and over and over again. We want to be a welcoming people, but it's also an out arrow because we, we don't want hospitality to stop here. We want hospitality to permeate who we are in our everyday lives, Monday through Saturday. We want hospitality to change how we think about our neighbors and the people we work with and the people we go to the gym with, the people that we go to play dates with, that we're actually thinking about how can I be kind and welcoming to this person for the sake of them coming to know Jesus? And so the arrow goes both ways. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Romans 12, 13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So we want to be a people of hospitality, a people that the world is drawn to. We ought to be the most joyful people our world knows. We are the ones who have found the one that can satisfy our souls. Let's be known for our joy, even in the midst of trials, especially in the midst of trials. We should be known by our joy, by our laughter. This, this influences the way that we do our kids' ministry. We want to create a, an environment that kids want to come to, where they, they beg their parents, please take me to New King Church. And that's actually happening. I actually have stories of that happening. Please take me back. I want to go again. We want to create a place where children want to be. We want to be known by our joy. We want to be people who invite our neighbors and friends to our tables and, and show hospitality for the sake of introducing people to Jesus. And then we want to be a people of depth. We want to be a people of depth. We've seen that many churches that seek to be really good at reaching those that don't know Jesus and seek to be really good at hospitality will sacrifice depth. And we don't want to do that. We never want to sacrifice depth in the Word for reaching new people. We don't believe you have to. We actually believe that it will make us better missionaries the deeper we go into God's Word, the more mature we become, the better we understand this book. And so this is about the fact that our spiritual formation depends upon the Word of God. And so you'll see this in our community groups. You'll see this in our kids' ministry. They are going through the Bible, learning the Scriptures. They're taking the Word of God seriously. You're going to see this in our discipleship. 
Paul told the elders at the church in Ephesus in Acts 20, 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. And that's our commitment to you. We will not shrink back from any part or piece of this book. We are going to take it seriously. We are going to dive deep. Our last value is multiplication. We want to multiply all of these values over and over and over again in every disciple, in every leader, every community group, every church. Multiplication, we used to call it pioneering, and the heart behind pioneering was we, we, don't, we don't want to settle. We want to keep moving forward, but we felt like multiplication communicated more clearly how that happens. How do we pioneer? How do we see the kingdom of God expand? It's through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches. This is the plan for the church. So how do we help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus? We, we help disciples to make disciples who make disciples, and on and on and on and on. Um, Acts 6, 7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. I have a little graphic that shows if one person discipled three people, if you just decided this year, I'm going to pour into three people, and each one of those said, next year I'll commit to discipling three people, right? And then those each said, next year I'll commit to discipling three people. You see that this begins to increase very quickly. And it feels slow at first. Year one feels like, man, I want to do great things for the kingdom. And here I am spending all this time on three people. But think of what Jesus did. He spent his best time, the majority of his time, on his small group of disciples, pouring into them for three years. And then he said, what I've done with you, go do with others. And within a very short time, within a very short time, they had turned the world upside down. We believe that this is our calling, is to make disciples who make disciples and to reproduce ourselves at the level of disciple, reproduce leaders. So that means like worship leaders reproducing worship leaders, training up new worship leaders and pastors, training up new pastors and community group leaders, training up new community group leaders so that we can multiply. And it means... Churches planting new, church planting churches. And that brings me to our vision for what we see God calling us to. We started looking at what God has done here in just a very short time. We said, why wouldn't he want to do this in more places? What he's doing here, what he is currently doing, why not do this in more communities in Vermont? Why not do this in the nations, places that do not have a gospel witness? And so, 
our vision, we believe that God has given us a dream of advancing the kingdom of God in the most unreached parts of the world, locally and globally, by planting churches that plant churches. That's what we want to be about. For the next 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, God willing, we want to be a church that plants church planting churches. That every single church planter that we send out, we say, listen, this is your commitment. You're not just going to plant a church. You're going to plant a church planting church. And we see this in the book of Acts. We see Paul doing this. Paul goes out and starts new churches and new places. And those churches start new churches. And church history tells us that within a hundred years, the gospel had covered most of the known world. Now, when we ask the question, how can we have the greatest impact possible on our world? This is what we come to. By multiplying ourselves individually and by multiplying churches. By, by sending people out to plant new churches. Because we believe that nothing, nothing advances the kingdom of God more effectively than new, healthy, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered churches. Can you imagine if the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people that you bump into day in and day out, if, if those people started to talk about their new relationship with Jesus, can you imagine what that would be like? That's what happens when revival comes to a place. And that's what we're asking God to do. He has done it before and he'll do it again. And we're asking that he does it here. That he would pour out his spirit on this place. Picture the people that you love, the people that you care about, coming alive to God through Christ Jesus. Can you imagine it? How can we be so audacious to think that we could play any significant part in accomplishing this task, planting churches that plant churches that plant churches. And I, I say, look back at Matthew 28. Look at that last sentence. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is squarely on this promise that we can say, Yes, we'll plant churches as God allows, as early and often as God allows, we'll plant churches and we'll make disciples. And because He has said He is with us, He has given us the mandate, He's given us the marching orders, and then He said, I'm going with you. He told His disciples, Apart from me, you can do nothing. But He said, If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And so if we will stay committed to that first value of sitting at the feet of Jesus, of abiding in him, then yes, yes, we can see God plant churches out of this church. Church planting churches that makes a real impact on our state, that makes a real impact on our world. 
Jesus promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How's that for a promise? It's on him, not us. Jesus has put the responsibility of building his church on him. It's our job simply to come along and cooperate. So what do we see God leading us into in 2020? I want to give you just a couple highlights before we finish. Um, in, this, in the coming months ahead, Blair and Lucius Guthrie um, are a couple that are moving here to join our staff. They're raising their support. They've come up a handful of times for mission trips, and so a lot of you know who they are. Um, just a, a, a passionate couple for the gospel. They're going to be coming up and helping us fill needs and, and work with us. Um, Michael and Kayla Badger are moving here in the summer to become members of New King and to go through our church planner pathway. So um, they, have done, they have done work in Germany and um, Northern Ireland. Um, they, have, uh, they have experience in post-Christian context and um, are a really gifted couple, and they have, they're assembling a team right now to come here and to plant a church, and they're going to go through New King for 10 months to a year to get um, prepared to plant a church here. So that, that'll be our first church planters. Um, and and um, we have people in this church praying right now about going out and planting a church or church planting churches, I should say. God is moving. Amen. A third thing that we're going to be, that we see on the horizon in 2020 is we're going to start investing heavily as a church in reaching unreached parts of the world. And we are currently praying about what exactly that's going to look like and what those partnerships are going to look like, but that is going to be a focus starting next year, investing in unreached parts of our world. Um, we believe that that is the mandate of going and making disciples of all nations, and so we're excited about that. We're going to start taking mission trips to places and exposing people to missions, and my prayer is that God would begin to call full-time missionaries overseas out of this church. And then the last thing I'm going to share this morning about what we see God leading in 2020 is we're going to add a second service on Sunday mornings. Um, and right now, when the, when the college students are here, when it's not a holiday weekend, we are at full capacity and have been for a while. Our parking is at full capacity. Um, our kids' rooms are at full capacity. And the research shows that basically you, you can't grow past full capacity. Um, and so there, is, there, there are a couple of options. You can either um, stop having an impact through your services, or you can add services. Um, or we can plant churches. But even doing that, and we are planning to do that, which will we'll send out teams to do that, it still only will free up a little bit of space. And so um, we are currently working through all of the details of this. Um, but essentially, by starting a second service, we will double our potential impact through these services. 
we will have double the number of seats that we can offer to people and double the number of parking spots and double the kids' space. And that means twice as many people can be reached through the preaching of the gospel on Sundays and through what we're doing in kids. And we just have prayed about this and we've said, God, are you done with what you're doing through our services on Sunday? And, and we feel like God is saying not even close. And so we're going to start a second service, um, another morning service, and it's going to mean sacrifice. Like, there are going to have to be people who step up and to fill roles, right? And, to, and take on new responsibilities and bigger responsibilities. And yes, it will mean that some people will be split and you won't see some people as often. And it will, I'm not going to stand up here and say it won't mean sacrifice, but so far, that hasn't stopped us from doing anything that God has called us to do. So far, we have stepped up. This church has said yes to every big challenge that God has asked of us. And I don't see this being any different. Um, the, there, there is a real um, blessing to it in that our Kids workers and hospitality people, a lot of people will be able to serve one service and sit one service. And that's a huge advantage. So if you work in kids ministry, or if you haven't yet been in kids ministry and you're thinking about it, this is a huge advantage is that you can come to one of the services and serve and be with the kids and teach them the Bible and get to know them and love on them and then sit in here and worship and hear the sermon and, and Fellowship with everybody. That's a huge advantage. Um, Millie is excited about it back there. <laughs> so our leadership, our pastors have been praying about this, and we just, we just have no doubt in our mind that this is what God is leading us to do. And that, that in the beginning, it, you'll, when we go to two services uh, in January, you'll come in here and it'll look like half... It, half full, right? Or maybe less, depending on which service you come to. Um, but that's a good thing, because that means there is room. On our full days in here, we have people come in the back and stand back in the back, and they can't find a seat, and they've parked somewhere way down the street and had to walk way up the street. And we are going to make some room for people to come in here and um, hear the gospel. So, how do we respond? How do we respond to all of this? I would say number one response I, that I talked about at the very beginning is pray for a fresh passion for the spread of the kingdom of God and for his glory. Pray that God would break you over the lostness around you. Pray that God would instill in you a fresh zeal for his kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he talks about not being anxious, not being worried about all the stuff that everyone else is worried about. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Pray that God would give you a heart that seeks first his kingdom and his righteousness, that is passionate about his kingdom coming and spreading on the earth for his glory. And secondly, 
Once God has done that, once he has given you new fuel for your life, for you to spend your life on, then you can shift your mindset from consumer to contributor. So that, that would look like if you've been coming here for a while and you've been checking New King out, and you said, okay, I'm, I'm here. This is, I'm going to be a part of New King Church. Once you get there, then we want to say, all right, we got, we got work to do. Contribute to what we're doing. Serve in some area of ministry. There are plenty of ways for you to begin to plug in. Begin to give financially to help propel this mission forward. Begin to go to a community group and contribute to a community group. So have that mind shift from consumer to contributor. Ephesians 4 says that Jesus gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It doesn't say so that they can do the work of the ministry. It says to equip the saints. That's you if you are in Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's you. It is your work of ministry. And so have that shift from consumer to contributor. And then finally, just ask yourself the question, how is God prodding my heart this morning? And if you know the answer to that, maybe write it down. Make it official. Write it down on your sheet of paper. Take it home. Put it on your mirror. This is how God is prodding me to become a contributor, to be more passionate about his kingdom and his glory. Maybe you've already been serving here at New King, and God wants you to take on more responsibility in some area. Maybe he wants to use you specifically to help us pull off going to two services in January. Maybe he wants you to start becoming more passionate about just spreading the word about Jesus and about your church. Maybe he wants you to start giving financially if you haven't been doing that, or maybe you've been giving a little bit, but you haven't really given generously yet. God wants you to start giving generously. Or maybe you need to start praying about being a part of a team of people sent out to start a new church in the near future. Or maybe some of you, God is pricking your heart about being sent overseas. You need to start praying about that. Oh, I would love if we could begin to send out groups of people to the nations. And if God is pricking your heart about that, please come and talk to us. We want to pray with you about it. God doesn't need a great big church to do his work. He does not need a thousand people. In fact, in the Old Testament, whenever he wants to do something, he pairs the army down. <laughs> he says, let me show you how, how small a number I can use. You know, God could use a group this size to change the world. And it was just hitting me afresh this week as I was preparing for this, is that he started with a ragtag, small group of inexperienced guys. Within a short time, they turned the whole world upside down because Jesus was with them, working through them. And he can do that here, and it can start today. So let's pray and respond however God is leading you to respond.